This podcast is sponsored by Cisco and Tech Data, a partner of the Industrial Solutions Network of CED, delivering industrial network solutions. Hello, everybody. This is the Connect Together podcast by the Industrial Solutions Network. Uh, we're going to get started here. Looks like we got, you know, just like usual, we have uh, me, Justin Brunken, Jeff, and Brandon talking about usual connected enterprise and other good stuff. We're also going to be joined by uh, Frank Busilaki, or he'll explain it. Um, have that coming up and uh, right after the break, and we'll get going. Thanks for joining us. To the Connect Together podcast, we're at least the top 10 best podcast in the electrical industry. We have to be um, at this point. Um, we're lucky to have the best Rockwell Automation Network service lead ever, I think. I don't know. You can I don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know. He might be the only yeah, one. Or, you, don't, you don't need to go over the top. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I think he's Wait. talking about me, Dino. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I... Yeah, That's I don't true. know. We'll have our interns fact check that one. Um <laughs> We have Frank, I heard you pronounce your last name, Bunch of Broccoli, also goes by <laughs> Dino. So is that right, Frank? Dino Bus- yeah, Frank a good Bus- Irish Lockie. name. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, one thing we do on this podcast is um, the whole podcast is about uh, connect together, basically bringing together a distributor, our, our delivery partners, and our vendor partners that, you know, the manufacturers that create the, uh, the materials and service that go into a great connected enterprise solution. So, you know, we wanted to bring you on from Rockwell Automation to see where you fit in, both you and your role, and also Rockwell Automation. So, you know, I heard, I heard you, you like talking about your role, so let's hear it. Thanks, Justin. So, uh, again, my name is Dino Busalaki. I'm in Rockwell Automation's uh, Network Security Services organization. My responsibility is the central region, portion of the United States. Um, my background is close to 35 years in uh, manufacturing and IT and engineering, so uh, primarily in the infrastructure realm. So I, I have a broad experience in, in food and bev, uh, chemical, uh, heavy industry, in building out infrastructure and manufacturing facilities, but I have an IT background. So I'm used to working with enterprise uh, business units, uh, IT, corporate IT groups, and um, I've, been, I've been working with Cisco for almost 30 years, 29 years now, I think since about 1988, I've been working with Cisco Systems. Uh, I've been on all three sides of the table with Rockwell. I've been a customer, I've been an integrator, and now I'm an employee. Uh, I've been with Rockwell now going on two years in my role as Network Security Services BDL, again, in the Central Region. So, I mean, first off, I know, I know Jeff has some questions, but I, I'm super interested in the fact that you are in all parts of, like, the IT, OT realm, and you have a unique sort of perspective on that. I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you get all those individuals with the different backgrounds together since you have all the different backgrounds? Well, it's difficult, for sure, um, and every organization is different in their journey, you know, as far as how they want to build out what we call the connected enterprise today. Some people 
you know, we'll reference the Internet of Things, but it's really the convergence that we're seeing on the plant floor with the technologies that are out there with all the devices and machines and instruments in, in the plant environment and, and trying to surround it and, and weave in in enterprise class technologies, you know, that can withstand the industrial environment, right? Um, in the past, we all know that many of those systems were, were siloed, they were fractured, they weren't connected, uh, they were promoted not to be connected. A lot of customers, you know, take patching, for example, you know, they didn't want to patch their systems because it could break the applications and the life cycle of those assets that are out there, you know, they're out there for one, two plus decades, right? Um, and so it's not very conducive from an enterprise perspective. And, you know, there's a couple of different things that are driving this with convergence being one, but you got security on one side and you got big data on the other side. Um, and, and everybody's a little different on how they're trying to either get after that data or do a better job of protecting their environment. And it's difficult to do when you, we've got all these challenges with people that um, you have a huge group of folks that are retiring out, so you've got intellectual property issues. You've got technology challenges that not everybody has the skill set and background to deal with, per se, right? Um, I, I use the argument a lot of times that folks are generalists and hobbyists when it comes to dealing with virtualization or firewalls and networks, route switch, you know, networks. It doesn't fall into everybody's bailiwick of being able to execute and deliver those types of technologies in the plant floor and, and have the relationship with the technology partners provide that, that stuff. So it's, it's really key that you have a relationship with somebody who can work in that environment, build these large-scale networks, because they're not getting smaller. They're getting bigger. And everything's moving towards Ethernet for the, for the most part. And you've got to be able to provide security in that space. And you have to have a network that if it's got 15, 20, 25, 30,000 devices in a single plant, well, how are you going to connect that stuff up without a plant? Yeah. Right? And that's how big these networks are getting. Right? They're getting very large, and they're getting large very quickly. Well, you made a key point. I mean, the key is relationships, and it kind of goes back to the whole connect together portion of what we do. Um, and so... One thing that, uh, that Brandon brought up, actually, he's in the room, Brandon Bernier here uh, with the Industrial Solutions Network, is you said, like, all these machines are, you know, they have, they're gathering all this data, but none of it's connected. Like, where are we at at that, with that? Well, again, again, it's data strategy, right? What is your data strategy? And, you know, it falls in, in the line as, you know, how do you want to get that data that's out there on the plant floor? How do you want to store and forward it? Where do you want to put it? move it up into what systems, does it stay within the process area, the manufacturing within the plant, or make its way all the way up to your ERP systems, right, where, you know, or even into the cloud, right? A lot of customers are starting to leverage the cloud, just like the corporate IT folks have done, as a place to store their data because it's much more cost-effective. You know, if you go back several years ago, a petabyte of data storage would cost you 80 to 100 grand. Today, that, that's several dollars. Wait, what was that, a petabyte? I'll let Mr. Sulier do the math for you to tell you. <laughs> a lot it's like of a zeros. thousand terabytes of, of data, right? Yeah. yeah, a lot of zeros. Never heard of it. That's you know? So, do you so know, when you get... Oh, oh yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. Keep going. I was going to get... Well, it's just, I was just talking about the cost of that, right? I mean, it's significant, right? We're seeing, you know, huge cost advantages, you know, in not only in technology that's a benefit, but also how do you get at one of the number one things that manufacturers are trying to strive for 
you know, safety, we all know, is, is usually number one at the top of their mind. But so is unplanned and scheduled downtime. And one of the challenges for a lot of customers is what does an hour of downtime cost you? And the infrastructure and the technology that you're using today on the plant floor, the way you've got it set up, the way that you have it organized, the people that you have involved, the relationships that you have with your technology partners, your budgets, your lab, what does that cost you? What is your unplanned, unscheduled downtime due to your network? It's a number, right? You should know what that number is. The IT guys do. You go to the corporate IT guys, they, they're able to tell you what their uptime is in regards to the network and how it's performing. It's an asset. Well, the, net, the network on the plant floor is an asset too, but it's not managed as such. So when you think of OEE, which most people know what that stands for, you know, which is a KPI and a metric on how well you can perform and your ability of your assets and the quality of the products that you're, that you're bringing out is you have a number, a rating. You know, am I running in the 60s? Am I running in the 70s? Am I running in the 80s? You know, all of those things should be known when it comes to dealing with these kind of assets when people are saying, well, how much is the cost to build a network in my plant? Hey, you know, Dino, kind of focusing more on the, on the data part of things, the, the CED APR in Nebraska is going to host a data-driven manufacturing event. And so I want to focus a little bit on that. I want to ask you a question here. So a lot of factory, for a lot of factories and manufacturing plants understand that gathering data from their machines is important. But many of them don't understand what data really is important and what do they do with all that data. So a lot of companies will default or get sold systems that, that limit them in their data management or the utilization of that data in, in usually non-Rockwell systems, where I know Rockwell has a, you know, a bigger breadth of and, and more encompassing uh, products when it comes to data management. So what would you, how would you, or maybe what process would you recommend to these factories to, to go through to really assess what their data needs are so they, they pick the right product that's going to work with them you know, now and scale with them in the future as their networks grow? Well, first, you've got to get your arms around you know, what you have out there today and what are you doing with that data today and how do you move it you know, through your environment. Is it still collected manually? You know, people still running around with clipboards, still writing information off, you know, analog instruments. You know, is the data, you know, in a PLC, and if you don't get it out at a certain time, you just write over the top of it. Is somebody collecting it and putting it in a spreadsheet and then massaging, manipulating that and moving it to, you know, the next manufacturing application? Do you have an MES application, you know, manufacturing execution system, and is it receiving and feeding data up through the business systems? You know, because sometimes you'll collect data, and you may not even – know what that nugget is, right? You know, a lot of organizations are either starting to hire data scientists or leveraging data scientists to start pouring over their data. You know, I always like using the example that Cisco brings to the table, you know, about Kellogg's and the Pop-Tarts, right? I don't know if you remember the story, Jeff, or not. I know it's been kicked around over the last couple of years, but mm -hmm. it was a really interesting phenomenon where, for some reason, Kellogg's was trying to figure out why one particular flavor of their Pop-Tarts was selling you know, exponentially in certain regions of the country, specifically on the coast, and they weren't really sure why, you know. And so as they started collecting their data and pouring over and have a data scientist looking at it, what they started recognizing and realizing that every time that there was a tropical depression storm or hurricane heading towards the coast, all of the strawberry Pop-Tarts, no other flavor, you know, not blueberry or apple or peach or s'mores or any of that type of stuff, specifically strawberry, 
was flying off on every shelf within 150 miles or so of that store. From all the little 7-Elevens and quick trips and Costco's to Walmart, grocery stores, running out of strawberry Pop-Tarts. And they're not even sure why people like strawberry Pop-Tarts. They don't even care. But what they have now is a new data point that they add into their, their forecasting and their production. It is whenever a storm is approaching you know, the coast that they're getting information from NOAA, you know, the National uh, Oceanic um, Group. Mm-hmm. They start flipping their lines and start producing more strawberry Pop-Tarts and get them into those regions where that storm is heading. Wait, that's right? and those, that's like an automated thing, or is that manual? Because that's now you're talking my language, pop tarts. Because <laughs> everything else you guys were talking about was a little over my head, not Jeff's. But uh, that's interesting. So that's all. But I it's mean, the whole supply chain, though, Justin. Right? It's everything yeah, from the yeah. trucks. Even the tr- those storms don't go in a straight line, mm-hmm. and so the trucks are on the network. You know, they're connected, and so the trucks are being directed on where to go based on where that storm is going. So, again, it was big data, right? Somebody tripped across that. And there, there's a lot of different stories like that. Like I said, you may need to start collecting data. You may not even know for year two, three what's in there until you really start pouring through it. But that's you know, key- that, that's on the business side. Then you have on the plant floor side, you have the ability to be maybe more predictive and proactive in your maintenance capabilities on your machine centers on your plant floor. Instead of just doing something at a regularly scheduled time because that's what the OEM told you to do, you know, where you take a shutdown, you take a planned shutdown because you think you're coming up on, you know, a maintenance window that you need to hit that if you don't, you know, you can have greater pain further down because, you know, you got bearings and motors you're destroying and having to rebuild or replace versus getting data out of there that says, well, I might be able to run another four or 500 hours out of there before I actually need to go in there and do anything because I can tell based on vibrations and heat and harmonics and things of that nature it says, this machine is running fine. I'll be able to tell when it's getting to that point where I need to shut it down in a planned manner and, and work on it. And it's on my schedule instead of somebody else's schedule. Yes, I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's key, though, right? I mean, we get all this data, but, I mean, the Pop-Tart situation, if they didn't actually use the data, what, what good is it, right? I mean, how do you get right. these customers to be able to, you know, yeah, they got the info, but actually use it in, like, a meaningful way? Is that, like, the, is right. that the biggest challenge, and how do we help them with that? Well, you have to have a data strategy, right? It means you have to have a data strategy, and then you got to figure out the connectivity requirements for that, and then you got to figure out how you're going to secure it, secure that information, secure those assets, right? And, you know, the challenge is, and this is why cloud computing has always been, you know, one of those um, new industry models that it's been around for a while. Outsourcing is not something that, that's new, but it's a way that to, to take applications and technology and skill sets and put them in, in play with groups that probably are better skilled and better suited for, for building those types of solutions and collecting that data for you, right? And because you've got to get two groups to work together that don't really work together very well between IT and OT. And we've all heard the horror stories. and We've actually sat in the rooms and, you know, watched these guys duke it out because you've got to work together to be able to build the continuity and collaboration that you need to be able to build these types of environments in that plant floor. You know, everything from the IDMZ down, enterprise class, route switch, core networks, all the way down to the access layer, has to be managed just like you would in the IT space. But OT is never going to let that network up, and IT is never going to get involved in the plant floor. Until the day that you have um, IT sitting in the room 
to be a part of the project that's putting in a new packaging line, for instance, and they're helping you determine your SCADA system, your industrial control system, and they're, they're, and they have veto power to determine whether you're going down the right path or not, then you know that you've made that connection. But that usually means that they're part of your organization, right? They're probably working for the same people. Right. Hey, you see, you know, way, many, way too many times that IT and OT, when you, when you look for the common manager between the IT and OT, IT and OT organization, a lot of times it's sometimes is it the CEO. When you map out the organization, the first time they have the same boss, is it the CEO? And that's not a good place to be having this type of conversation, especially in large companies. So, Dino, you, you mentioned security before. So, you know, the, the recent ransomware, malware, virus stories that have been in the news lately, um, you know, so security, I think a lot of companies are kind of, that was a little bit of a wake-up call for some companies, like, whoa, what, what happened here? And I don't want that to happen in my shop. What, what do you recommend that they do to kind of, get started to try and um, at least verify if, if they're going to have a problem or are susceptible to this? Well, you hit, uh, again, it's that roadmap, right? I mean, you have to buy into a, a, a strategy. You know, we call it the converged plant-wide Ethernet, you know, which is a collaborative Rockwell-Cisco design strategy for plant floor networks. And I don't think that even our competitors, even you know, Rockwell competitors, are much different in their approach. We have more of an open system view of things versus trying to close it down. And what I mean by that is we're perfectly fine with using IDMZs and firewalls and layer three to separate, you know, processary cells, zones, and lines versus having to use PLCs to do that, which is a common theme. You know, even Rockwell, you know, uh, pushed that agenda and maybe to some certain circles may still do so you know, to separate networks. Others put servers in there with multiple NICs in them, you know, to separate their networks. And, and so when you think about it from a security standpoint is, are you going to put an IDMZ that is managed and controlled by the control system groups, those business units, and you have to start bringing in tools that can do things like deep packet inspection and look for anomalies, just like IT has. You know, IT has an intrusion prevention, intrusion detection. They have SIM tools, which are security event management tools. You know, they have anomaly-based detection tools. Well, where's that stuff on the plant floor? And how can it work with the protocols like SIP and Profibus and Profinet and ControlNet and DeviceNet and 420 milliamp and and heart and all these other field foundation networks that are out there where you have a, a, a technology that's helping you manage and secure that space, right? And looking at the packet and looking at the nesting underneath the PLCs because you've got multiple cards in there. You know, and the question, when you start getting into these conversations, you know, if you ask your customer and say, so what's your budget look like next year for your network? And if they give you a goose egg for a number or they don't know, yeah, crickets. Right? They're not they're not paying it they're not even paying attention, right? You're not even on the playing field. If you don't have a lab, you don't have a budget, you don't have any tools, you don't have a relationship with a, with a strategic networking technology partner that you can point to and say, Here's my buddy, here's my pal, here's who I go to when I have questions, because that's what IT does. IT doesn't work in a vacuum and sit up in some ivory tower and think they got everything figured out. They got relationships with Microsoft and Oracle and SAP and, and Cisco and, 
and whoever they, they criti- whoever their core critical business partners are to provide them technology, they have relationships with them. So you, you guys on the plant floor, who, who do you work with? Who is your networking expert? And you can't tell me that it's necessarily a system integrator. And I'm going to pick on them a little bit because they, they, the networks that they build, who's going to stand behind them and support them? But Cisco come in behind an SI who's not a Cisco partner. And I'm not talking about access layer switches, okay? I'm not talking about Stratix out there. I'm talking about core, backbone, firewall, data center, virtual data center footprint networks, wireless and security, where you can find a vendor that's got that skill set to be able to deal with that size and scope of a footprint. Kind of the larger, of SI- larger enterprise is what you're talking about. Right. Most of your SIs are just focused on their little project they got going on there. It could be an expensive project. It could be a $25 million project. It could be a $40 million project. And the network seems like a small piece of the whole puzzle, but they really don't care what's going on in the rest of that plant. They're just focused on their project. And they're not worried about what that machine center is necessarily being connected to or what it's going to have to put up with and where they got to move data to. They're not in there doing a data strategy. They're not trying to do that for the customer. They're just worried about their project. You know, mm-hmm. and they don't bring in they don't bring in CCIEs and and uh, CCNAs on route switch or security or wireless or you know firewalls. They wire they don't have any of those skill sets to sit there and go. Well, I got people that are trained, and this is what they do all day every day. Right, but that's that's really where a lot of them are at. I know you know additional training for them, um, you know, as well as the the OT people on the plant floor to get to the point where you're talking about, uh, you know, that the network evolution is just beginning on the shop floor. Um, well, it's the manufacturing CIO that's missing, right? I mean, if, you, if, if you're a manufacturing CIO, and I'm not talking about a CIO that works for a manufacturing company who sits on their side of the fence. I'm talking about, you know, somebody who goes into a manufacturing environment and assesses it for what it truly is and how it's operating, how it's put together, and looks at the technology looked at the skill sets, you know, looked at the money that they have to spend year after year to, to deal with this technology, the relationships with the partners that they have. You know, they're going to go in there and realize that you could be pumping, you know, millions of dollars a year into a black hole in the middle of your plant, and nobody's the wiser. Again, due to unplanned, unscheduled downtime, operational issues that nobody's able to really put their fingers on because they don't have that, that skill set and that relationship and that focus to put in a best-in-class enterprise solution to run those assets out there on the plant floor. That's super interesting. So how, many, so how many you know, manufacturing CIOs do you think are out there that are focused on that? Very few, if any at all, really, to be honest with you. That are, that are actually named that. Well, right? yeah. I, right. mean, I mean, they can even name yeah. anything, but I'm really curious on like, what sort of position. I've never heard that from anyone yet so far. Like, you know, where is that position at in some of these manufacturing right. plants? That's interesting, for sure. Well, if you, yeah, because if you went back 10 or 15 years ago and these CIOs that emerged, that's exactly what they went in there when they went into these data centers and these business units, you know, mergers and acquisitions. They would look at at the technology platform that they were using, right? They might have had two, three, four, five different computing platforms. They might have been running two, three, four different types of operating systems, you know, Sun, Linux, Unix, Microsoft, IBM, DEC, who knows, right? Same thing with their networking platform. Probably have four, five, six, seven flavors of networking technology inside their environment. Databases, same thing, right? Remote access into the environment, same thing. It was just a hodgepodge, wild, wild west looking environment. And these CIOs went in there and they cleaned all that crap up. 
and standardize and build a relationship with their partners. You know, I mean, you, you're going to do business with SAP, and you're spending millions of dollars a year with SAP. I mean, these CIOs sit down with them for three to five days every year to roadmap, plan, and strategize on what's, what, am I, what do I need to do today? What am I going to do in the short term? What am I going to do in the midterm? What am I going to do in the long term? What's it going to cost Right? Yeah. I, I like well, that. Who, road, does, who, who I, does that on the control system side? Right. I like that you know, roadmap what I, idea. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I, I, I can tell that you care and you have passion. That's awesome. And I'd love to keep talking for another hour because I feel like you could. <laughs> but we do have to cut it short here. And uh, we have to go into some other topics anyways. But this has been absolutely enjoyable. The yeah. few things that I learned already is there's something, there's something bigger than a terabyte. <laughs> and, well, the one uh, thing I would leave you with is just, you need to ask, you say, you got to find your buddy, you got to find your pal. You got to find your Yoda. There's got to be somebody as an OT guy, you have to find somebody, an organization that you think has got the right strategy and plan for your organization. And you got to wrap your arms around that group and say, okay, let's take a walk. And let me see what I can learn. Oh, yeah. you if you're not willing, if you're not willing to do that, then, then, then you're out, right? Oh, yeah. And, You're and, just out. And you said it earlier. It's like the biggest part of this is working together, right, to come up with that strategy to use the data that you already have. Is that right? Right. Love it. We're ending there. Dude, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. This is uh, Frank Bunch of Broccoli. I mean, Dino Busalaki <laughs> that we had on here. I mean, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. All right. This has been fantastic. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks, Dino. Bye. Hey, Jeff. This is Justin Brunken. Hi, Justin. Hey, what's going on? Uh, just hanging around, enjoying the, the 100 and, what is it, 35 out or something like it's that? Something like that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you know what? What? There's a lot of unmanaged switches out there. I know. It's like terrible. how many? A lot? Millions. But they don't really want, what these customers don't really want all the management out there, right, for these switches? They just want something that's really cheap. What? That's it. Really? But yeah. they want a little bit of management. They want they want that connectivity. Okay. So without knowing all the <clears throat> complexity of, of how the industrial networks are, are kind of scaling and, and and evolving into, you know, they, they're they're happy right now with uh with an unmanaged switch that has green happy lights when they plug it in. And things work. So what so what can we do about this? Well, <clears throat> There's more to the network than just the lights that say that things are working. Excuse me? There is. Hmm. So, so what, what, what could that be, right? <clears throat> you know, and actually a managed switch. There's still a home for it. If I got a, a really small controller and maybe one HMI, and that's the extent of my network, fine. Go get a, you know, a $50 Walmart switch. Great, you know. But that's not today's networks. Today's networks are are interconnecting with, with other machines. They're interconnecting with a larger plant network. They're, they're asked, being asked to participate with network services that, that weren't even around 10 years ago. So managed switches is, is, how, is how, these, how are you going to get there? But, you know, 
Oh, go ahead. Looks like you're ready to say something. No, I, I mean, I was just thinking here, wouldn't it be amazing if you have something in between? Absolutely. Well, surprise, we do. Oh. Okay, so Rockwell answered that, you know, with their, their Stratix 2500. It's kind of that, um, it, it's the starter managed switch, you know, call it a, a managed light uh, or lightly managed. Uh, it still has a lot of uh, features and functions of a fully managed switch with the, you know, as far as the primary services that you may be needed that, that Rockwell picked. Um, and it's, it's easy to set up and it's, it is easy to manage. It actually works right out of the box, but it, but it gives, uh, you know, a customer, whether it's an integrator or an in-customer, that unmanaged price, right, unmanaged switch price, with a with a managed switch, so it, it, you know to be able to answer those scalable questions, those scalable and evolving issues that are happening in today's plant networks. That's Amazing, it. the best of both worlds. It is should be in every panel out there, right? Well, no, but in some panels, I mean, some panels need a bigger managed switch. This is perfect for a lot of panels. This is perfect for a panel that, you know, I think I'm just going to put in a competitor's unmanaged switch. This is where this. Stratix 2500 lands. It's in that price range. We're talking a few hundred dollars, not thousands of dollars. So it's it's priced right with a lot of nice features. There you go. Hear it from Jeff. Check out AB Stratix 2500. Bingo. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Justin Brunken. I'm here with Jeff and Brandon, like usual, talking about good old connected enterprise. We just had Frank Dino. I already, always, already forgot his last name. I all of, remember is bunch, bunch of broccoli. broccoli. <laughs> That's all Brandon's fault because <laughs> now I can't even like remember his real last name. It's only like bunch of broccoli. So I apologize, Dino. <laughs> I'll have to learn that soon. But that was a fantastic combo. That guy. Uh, knows his stuff, is passionate, and uh, man, telling some good stories about Pop-Tarts as well. But I thought we'd at least talk, kind of follow up on some of the bigger topics, like let's say using the data of all the stuff and all the data we gathered, how do we actually use it, and any of those network services out there, right? Right. So it was kind of interesting to learn about Pop-Tarts. So next time there's a, like a blizzard coming, I guess... Well, not, you know, there's, there's Pop-Tart factories nearby us, so maybe it's just to get to know the, uh, you know, the operational guys there, and maybe we can get them right off the line. Or is that something. right? Is I don't know. So is Kellogg? I mean, what's the, what's the place close to us? Uh, well, Omaha. Yeah, is it Kellogg's do Pop-Tarts? Kellogg's. Okay, this need to be edited because they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they make cereal. Yeah, they do the at their cereal. Location. Sorry, I didn't know they did pop tarts. Hey, that's all right. I I will uh, figure out and see if we need to edit, say or maybe near, I won't. We'll just, just give a plug because Kellogg's is awesome. Kellogg's plant nearby. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Yes, let's talk about pop tarts. Okay, so the main thing was the the data that Kellogg used it to, you know, be able to track this down, right? <clears throat> How many other companies, you know, with their products are, are at that level? And, and even, you know, down at a, uh, you know, level more deeper inside the plant as far as just making their machines run better to something as simple as, you know, predictive maintenance or preventive maintenance, you know, 
how do I, what do I do to, to gather that information? How do I start to gather that information? And, and once I have an idea of what I want to do, what's it take to, to reach that goal? You know, and it's, could, it, it's going to involve um, things like some sort of assessments or inventories. You know, what is my network like today? You know, um, how, is it going to be able to scale for where I need to go? So I think these customers are kind of, you know, a little bit lost in a way to, to you know, I, I want to, I, I need to go there. I need to know where to start. And some of them have j has just jumped in, and um, you know they're 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 on their journey, you know maybe kind of in the middle of something without actually starting from the beginning. So I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering, Brandon, what services that Rockwell might have for you know to get these customers going. To you know, here's what I think I need. How do I get there? Yeah, I mean, so you know we partner with Rockwell, and ultimately they've. Uh, worked really hard at creating kind of a clean and clear five-step process to uh, realizing their vision, their being the end user's vision. Um, it starts with what you started to talk about, well, a minute ago, and that was the assessment, right? You have to understand where you're at. If you don't know where, you, where you're at, um, then it's going to be a mess going forward. So getting a baseline established of where we're at today, and then within that, that helps kind of dictate a better structured plan that you can hold, hold accountability to and ultimately grow from. And then when you go from that, you, you get that baseline, then it's like, okay, now let's put some priority and hierarchy on um, updating or modernizing certain parts of our facility, right? So that, um, yes, you're already able to gather data today with some of the legacy technology that's out there, uh, but not everywhere. So getting to a point where you have your baseline, you get into a um, an opportunity to modernize. Now, some might even say, well, my whole plant is filled with legacy technology, so that's going to be too expensive from a capital expense perspective. Um, well, great thing is uh, Rockwell's also developed a modernization program from a contractual standpoint where uh, they'll, you know, without getting too deep, they'll actually help you uh, realize that journey over a three- to five-year period. Um, and ultimately, it doesn't hit a large capital expense where you look at updating your facility that was $500,000 to a $1 million. Uh, now we can stretch that cost over a five-year uh, plan, bundle in a support agreement that uh, keeps them running um, actively with their legacy technology and even guarantees some reserve repairs. But anyway, so you get your uh, facility to a, um, a new modernized state, and then let's connect it, right? So this is, so, the, this is the end user... Connecting with the distributor at this point is where you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So building uh, building that network so you can connect your enterprise. Huh. See what I did there? Um, that ultimately <laughs> then, I know, right? Pretty so. cheesy there. Um, and then from there, you connect your enterprise. And guess what? Then you can start gathering the right data and making intentional decisions. So analytical decisions so that you can make the right adjustments and you can produce the right amount of pop tarts that we just learned about to to predict when storms hit in you know the southeast area guess what you can boost your production and ship it there logistically and maximize your productivity and profitability from that and then at the end of the day then it's maintain and, and, and keep it on um, the the optimization curve of that so you, you got the data um, now let's you know keep improving based on you know predictive analytics Hey, so I'm going to put you both on the spot right here. All right, I need an exact date. 
So you're talking about all these plants with all these legacy products, and they need to modernize. So when's that day that they have to modernize? So I need a date. Go. When's uh, the right time? August 8th, 2017. <laughs> Tuesday. But seriously, like, you, t- you talk to a customer. They, some of the stuff is, like, super old. When is the right time to modernize? Is it today, well, or is it, like, when it's right for them, or what's the deal? You know, modernizing is, is one thing. We can actually take machines that don't have any automation on them. And with, with today's technology, with sensors and, and a connected enterprise, we can actually start gathering data from those machines today without automation. So, you know, if modernizing a machine is going to cost millions of dollars and that's not in the budget, at least let's, let's start by gathering what information we can off, off the existing machine, you know. And then once they get used to having that data, right, and maybe I'm, I'm gathering production information or just, you know, total usage, you know, how many, you know, strokes a certain um, cylinder has or something like that to, to gather you know, preventive maintenance or, you know, type information, at least there's something where today they have nothing. So modernizing is, is great. It's usually expensive. Let's start somewhere. Let's, let's really hit what we, what our goal is as far as that data, right? Modernizing the machine is going to be a need based on, I need that machine to run way better, way faster. It's got to produce more quality parts. That's when you, that's where that modernization is going to kick in. If, if that's not, you know, where their roadmap is right now, but just gathering information, let's start there. So your answer is today and then yeah. also tomorrow and the next day and yeah. the next day. It's never you gotta ending. Keep it's never got ending. It. You got it. Brandon, you're up. <laughs> yeah, oh, is that right? Say, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an everywhere uh, time for discussion and starting that conversation. So ultimately right now, it's starting the conversation internally maybe with key team members from different facets of the organization. And then guess what? We here at CED and our Industrial Solutions Network um, can have that conversation with you, provide the right consulting to make sure you're on the right path. Hmm. Love it. Man, you guys are so smart. Thanks. It's all all (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, do you think we uh, satisfiedly covered the data and the services? We, what we, more do you have to add this, there, Oh, we could talk all day about it, right? Well, I, I, I know I you guys think, are putting on some training for it, too, right, coming up? Yes, August 8th. In the Nebraska area, mm-hmm. at least, yeah. Yes, uh, called Data-Driven Manufacturing, right? Look yeah, at that. We're even, yeah. We're even uh, thinking as far as the title. It says it all, right? August 8th, um, it's, a, it's a whole-day event, um, several different sessions, you know, with three different tracks, um, I, an IT track, you know, we talked about security before with Dino, as well as network design. Uh, and he's going to get into cloud and, and petabytes, right? The new word for the day. Yeah, th- right? I, I learned something new today, which is <laughs> petabyte. I, I'm surprised I've never heard of that before, but that's, uh, that's great. It's, see, it's all worth it. Uh, <laughs> then a, um, a plant leadership um, and production uh, operations track, and then a, an engineering track. So it's, it's a lot of data, you know, it's a lot of sessions. So we tried to line it up, um, you know, for the, for the type of person that's going to attend so they can, you know, focus their attention on, on their particular role at their plant. Do you know what petabyte kind of sounds like? This is going to be a horrible joke. You know those, like, little fish that, like, you know, bite your feet? <laughs> like, a pedi- like a pedicure uh, and, like, bite, oh, so, like, yeah. petabyte. Right. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to need that one out, but that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> you 
You see Patrick over here just like <laughs> rolling his I know, eyes. I know. He's going, what? <laughs> He's going, oh, yeah, I remember when. See, that's where he was going to go. Um, well, all right, yeah, so if you are in the Nebraska area, um, yeah, check it out. It's on August 8th, right? Yep, go to the SoCon, SoCon Net. Work. Work. Solcon Solcon Network, so S-O-L-C-O-N com, and there's some information you can register and go there, there so that's fantastic. Well, I think, uh, man, we're already at like 30-some minutes, so I thought it was great. Uh, We just wanted to summarize what uh, our man Dino, a bunch of broccoli, uh, talked about and leading into the class, so... Um, I guess up until next time, I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to go live, actually, at this training uh, coming up in August 8th. So we're going to have a lot of unique, specific topics to go from there. So, again, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Try to keep it short. And, again, this is Justin Brunken. That's Jeff. And that's Brandon. Talk to you later. Later. Bye.